Would you turn with me to two openings this morning, please? If you didn't bring a Bible with you, the ushers have extra Bibles. Hold up your hand real high. They'd be glad to let you use one. And let's go to Acts, the first chapter, and 2 Timothy, the first chapter. In Acts, the first chapter, and then we're going to look in 2 Timothy, the first chapter. Acts 1 and verse 8. It says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let's pray and release our faith for utterance right now. Father, we ask you to open your word to us. Open our understanding. Give us eyes and ears heart and mind that will see, hear, and receive. Say exactly what you know we need to hear and see right now. And we'll receive it. We'll believe it and receive it. And by your grace, we'll do it. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Living Bible says it like this. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive power to testify about me with great effect. Well, that's what witnesses do. They testify. You'll receive power to testify about me with great effect. The Weiss translation says, You shall receive power of the kind which God has and exerts after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be those who testify of what they have seen and experienced, my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. My witnesses, Jesus said. Are you his witness? Now, in talking about the Holy Spirit coming on them and us, this is what he emphasizes as some of the main reason why he has come upon us. And it is more important than most people have thought for. Our witness is one of the most important parts of our life down here. And it is powerful by the agency of the Holy Spirit beyond us, beyond our natural ability to influence. You will testify about me, he said, to great effect. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. As you're testifying, as you're witnessing, as you're giving your testimony, something greater than you comes on the scene. To open up the eyes and ears of the ones hearing the testimony. And to reveal the reality of it to them. Divine power. Holy Spirit manifestation. Thank you Lord. In 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. It says. For God has not given us. The spirit of fear. But of power. And of love. And of a sound mind. The next verse says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So when he's talking about the Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear, that's talking about in connection with your testimony. Not being afraid to testify. He said, Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Now, he touches on something we're about to get into in some detail. 
you will be resisted and persecuted for your testimony. (laughs) Now you might not want to think about that or you might not want that to be true, but it is true. But the reason it's true is going to bless you and make you shout if you get a hold of it. I'll just get ahead of myself a little bit and then we'll, we'll come back. Why is the testimony resisted so much? Why is it persecuted so hard? And here's the answer. Because it is so powerful. We, for the most part, have not realized how powerful our genuine, honest, true witness of what the Lord has done for us is when the Holy Spirit gets involved with it. It is so much more powerful than most folks realize because so many people think, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a great apostle. I'm not a this. I'm not a that. I'm just me. Yeah, but you know something. I said, you know something. You were there. When you got born again, you were there and you know what happened. And that makes you dangerous, (laughs) dangerous to the devil, dangerous to darkness. You were there when the Lord filled you with the Holy Spirit. You were, you were there when the burden of sin and condemnation rolled off of you and you got free. You were there and you can tell it like nobody can tell it. How many know that nobody can tell what the Lord has done for you like you? And when it's true and you're telling your eyewitness account of what you saw the Lord do, what you heard the Lord say, what you experienced the Lord doing, the Holy Spirit manifests and it's powerful. I said it's powerful and the enemy will do anything he can to squash it. To quench it. To silence it. Because it is most dangerous. To his work. Hmm. You shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit's come on you. And what will happen? You'll be witnesses. You'll testify for me. Jesus said. How many will volunteer and say. I will testify for Jesus. If Jesus says. Will you testify for me? You say I will. I will, in front of anybody, anywhere, I will. And one thing we talked about earlier is that many people have thought witnessing meant preaching, you know, uh, learning how to preach an evangelistic message and going out and finding a stranger and preaching an evangelistic message to them. That is the common concept of witnessing. But that's not really what he's talking about. Preaching is not the same thing as witnessing. It's not the same thing. We saw the scripture in James and other places that not many of you should try to be teachers. And not all are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And yet every believer that knows God has a testimony. And many have stumbled in this because they went out and tried to preach to somebody and they're not called anointed to preach. And it just didn't turn out very well. And they forgot their verses and got their points mixed up. And it just, and they're thinking, I'm not doing that again. 
But the thing is, where are you supposed to do that start with? No. And sometimes people think witnessing means I got to go tell people what I believe. Or I got to tell people what my, you know, the doctrinal positions my church holds. Or what my pastor preaches. No, no, no. What is a witness? A witness is one who testifies. And one who testifies what they have seen and heard and know. And this firsthand eyewitness accounts are accepted as valid evidence in courts of the land. And in the earth it is. And spiritually it is. So it's not a matter. A lot of times people don't care what you believe. They don't want to hear what you believe. Or what you think your church believes. But in the right situation. When the Lord prompts you to. And, and he says tell them what I did for you. And they can look you in the eye and they see you're not telling some secondhand hearsay something. You're telling what you know. What he did for you. How he paid your bills. How he healed your baby. And they can look at you in the eye and they can hear the tone of your voice and they know you're telling the truth. When that happens, somebody else gets involved. The Holy Spirit comes on them. Come on, are you listening? And he quickens them and says, what they're telling you is true. What they're telling you is right. God is real. He's real. And he's good. And he'll do it for you too. Hallelujah. And every believer. Somebody say every believer. Everybody that knows God has a testimony. And everybody should not be afraid nor ashamed to stand up. And speak up and tell it when the Lord prompts you to. Now go to the book of Revelation, please. Revelation, the 12th chapter. I'm going to read from the Weiss translation in verse 7. Revelation 12, 7. Man, I'm seeing some things about this personally that I hadn't seen before. And one of the things that's impressing me so much is how important your and my witness is. If you'd asked me months ago, is it important? I said, oh yeah, yeah, very important. But I, I didn't realize how important it is. It is the light of God manifested in the earth. And it is the devil's worst nightmare. And the good news is, he just ain't big enough to shut us up. Because greater is he. Oh yeah, greater is he that's in me and you than him that's in the world. Now let's look at how serious this thing is. Revelation 12 and 7, I'm reading from the Weiss translation. says there, uh, John is seeing in the spirit and the Lord laid out to him how things were going to unfold from where he was to the end. He said, uh, there arose war in heaven. Michael and his angels went forth to do battle with the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. Man, there's a lot of things happened. And have happened and are going to happen. Spiritually. And uh, it says, yet they did not have the power to win out. Neither was there found any longer place for them in the heaven. 
And the great dragon was thrown down once for all, the snake, the ancient snake, the one called the devil, the slanderer, and Satan, the adversary. He who deceives the entire inhabited earth, that is his big weapon, deception. That's his big thing. Is Now, what does it mean to be deceived? Being deceived means you believe a lie is true. If you knew it was a lie, you wouldn't be deceived. Right? But you're thinking it's true, you're believing it's true, and it's not. It's a lie. You're deceived. And most of the world is lying in darkness... Believing lies, either believing there is no God or praying to a rock. Come on, are you listening? Or believing some kind of lie. And sometimes people say, well, you know, uh, well, X amount of billion people can't be wrong. Oh, yes, they can. Oh, yes, they can. The majority is most often wrong. And so... He is and always has been the deceiver. And he deceives the entire inhabited earth. He was thrown into the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. And everybody say, yay. (laughs) I'm not going to shed one single solitary tear when he gets what's coming to him. How about you? I'm not. I'm not. And I heard a voice. A great one in the heaven saying, now there has come to pass the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Because he who accuses our brethren has been thrown down once for all. He who accuses them before our God day and night. The devil is always trying to build a case against you to get you judged. So he can get access to you and destroy you. He and those who work with him, his emissaries, are working night and day to build a case against you. Get you judged. Him get access to you. And they themselves gained the victory over him through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of their testimony. They overcame him. This deceiver, this accuser of the brethren, this destroyer, they overcame him. How? Two big things. Two big things. The blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. You wouldn't even have anything to testify about if it wasn't for the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb that has bought us, that has redeemed us, that has washed us, that has made us clean made us righteous, made us holy, made us acceptable to God. But he didn't end with that phrase. He said, and. The blood of the Lamb, and. And what? Through the word of their testimony. Now he's talking about battle. He's talking about conflict. He's talking about what's covering the earth, the darkness, Versus the light. And you know what he mentions? The two big things involved in this fight? The blood of the lamb. And. And what? And the word 
of their our testimony. Now keep reading. And they did not consider their lives precious and thus come to love them to the extent of death they were willing to die a martyr's death. The word martyr is the word for witness. Martyr means witness. And when we say martyr, we're talking about a witness that won't shut up. <laughs> is that right? No matter how you threaten them, you say, I'm going to kill you. You say, well, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. Whether you shoot me or you don't, he's still Lord. And I know he saved me and I know what he did for me. Yeah, well, we're going to do this to you. We're going to fire you. We're going to take this away. We're going to put you out of the club. You, you say, well, I'm still going to say the same thing. Because the blood of the Lamb is going to continue speaking off the mercy seat and never going to stop and never going to fail. And I'm going to keep on speaking. And I'm not going to stop. And I'm going to tell what he's done for me. No matter what it may cost. If you're not willing to do this, then the devil will silence you. He will intimidate you. He will scare you. He will shame you. And you will shut up and go sit in the corner. Is there this pressure brought socially to leave your God at the house? Hmm? Don't bring him to work. Don't bring him over here. Separation of church and state. Separation of church and work. Separation. Even when you come to gatherings. Don't bring up that God stuff now. You know. This causes problems. And don't misunderstand me. Some people should be quiet for some of the stuff they're doing because they go to places and they start trying to preach. And a lot of these folks are not even called to preach, nor anointed to preach. We're not talking about preaching. Are we? We're not even, we're not even talking about preaching. What are we talking about? That if it comes up, or the Lord prompts us, we're not going to bat an eye. We're not going to be intimidated. We're going to go, yeah, yeah, I'm one of them. Ring leader. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the main ones. Yeah, I am. Yes, I am. Blood of the Lamb. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Miracle believing. Tongue talking. Surely not. Yeah. Yeah, whole thing. I'm all in. Well, you need, you need to tone that down. No, I don't. You need to get in. <laughs> you need to miss hell. You need to get saved. You need to get in. I don't need to tone down. I'm not talking about trying to push doctrine and teaching down somebody's throat and life that don't want to hear it. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about there will come times. And you'll know it if you'll be honest. It'll come up in your spirit. All right, you need to speak up. All right. Need to speak up. 
And they spoke up even when it cost them their life. Hallelujah. The Amplified, verse 11. The Amplified says, They have overcome, conquered him, by means of the blood of the Lamb and by the utterance of their testimony. For they did not love and cling to life, even when faced with death, holding their lives cheap till they had to die for their witnessing. You ever heard the phrase, I die before I say it ain't so? (laughs) That's right here. That's right here. I would die before I say Jesus is not Lord, before I'd say he didn't save me, before I'd say this is not real. Now I want you to notice in uh, this book of Revelation, let's go back to the first chapter, and I want to read some verses to you to see the recurring theme of this book. It keeps coming up over and over again. It starts out this way in Revelation 1 and 1. Revelation 1, 1. He said, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified by his angel and his servant John. Who did what? Bear record record means went on record as a witness, testifying of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ of all things that he what? Believed? No. He saw it. John was there. He saw the angel. He heard it. He saw what the Lord laid out in front of him. And he is a, and isn't it something? John is witnessing to us today. We're reading his testimony of what the Lord showed him. Not hearsay, not conjecture, not theory. And verse, uh, skip down to verse uh, 5. He said, Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Did you know Jesus said as he stood before Pilate, Timothy said he gave a good witness. And when Pilate was questioning him about who he was, he said basically that he was a king. And for this purpose, he came into the earth that he might bear witness to the truth. That's when Pilate scoffed and said, what is truth? Well, it just showed how ignorant and how much darkness he was in. But Jesus said, I came to bear witness of the truth. And he's called the faithful witness. How many know he is? He is the faithful witness. And look in verse 9. Verse 9, he says, I, John who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that was called Patmos. Why was he there? He separated from society on basically a deserted island. He's put out there. Why? For the word of God. And for what? The testimony of Jesus Christ. Is he being persecuted because of his testimony? Yeah. Yes, he is. But isn't it something? Instead of him quieting down, he gets the revelation out there. (laughs) Is that right? And writes it down. And he's testifying here in Sarasota and Branson and all over the world 
with us today of what he saw. He didn't shut up. They didn't shut him up. How about you? How about you? Come on, say they won't shut me up. Revelation 2.13. He said, I know you works where you dwell, even where Satan's seed is, and you hold fast my name and have not denied my faith, even in those days where in Antipas was my faithful martyr or faithful witness who was slain among you where Satan dwells. Have many people been slain because of their witness in Jesus? All throughout history. Many have died. And if they died in faith. Holding to their witness. They were not defeated. I said they were not defeated. Somebody might have destroyed their body. But they were not defeated. And in fact. They'll obtain a greater resurrection. The scripture says. Jesus died. For his witness. And as our substitute. And in following his steps. We ought not be afraid nor ashamed, if necessary, to die for ours. But also we shouldn't be afraid or ashamed to live with ours. In uh, Revelation 6, 9, notice this. He said, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for what? For the testimony which they held. In Revelation 12, 17, the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What made the devil so mad? What's he trying to stop? This testimony, I'm telling you, is very powerful in this earth. And the enemy does anything and everything he can to stop it. He has done this for centuries now. The Bible said in Revelation 17, 6, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Why would there be this wholesale slaughter of Christians? What good does it do anybody? What's the purpose? What's the benefit? To silence the witness. Silence, suppress and silence the voice of the witness in the earth. Because this anointed testimony is light. Is life. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't comprehend it and can't overcome it. The enemy can't deal with the light once it's out. He can't stop the truth. He can't. He and all his hordes. So what he seeks to do is keep it from coming out. Keep it from getting out. Through intimidation. Through shame. And and finally, in Revelation 20 and verse 4, he said, I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. A lot of folks have been beheaded through the centuries. For what? Why were they beheaded? Why? For the witness 
of Jesus and for the word of God. They wouldn't worship the beast, they, the image. They wouldn't receive the mark. This is talking about past and future. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. You and I are part of the same company of witnesses. Some of them are in heaven. Some of them are on earth. But we're part of the same group. How many think we ought to be as strong and fearless as they? We ought to be as committed as they. Well, if you're willing to die for your testimony, you should have no problem giving it in a room full of scoffers and mockers. Or somebody that might just turn up their nose and walk out of the room. If you can't handle that, you sure wouldn't keep it together in front of a firing squad. Now, would you? If you can't handle somebody snubbing you and taking you off of their list for the party because <laughs> you're a little too radical Christian for them, then you'd sure fold like a wet noodle when real pressure was brought to bear to shut you up and silence you. You ought to look at these little things as just little practice sessions. Is that right? Just little little checks for you to warm up on in case you really have to stand against this. Now go with me to the book of Acts, please. Go to the book of Acts. And let's look at one of the greatest witnesses in the Word of God. One of the greatest examples of somebody giving their witness and testifying. In Acts, let's see, chapter 6, chapter 6, the Bible said they were in need of some assistance and help in the early days of the church, and so the Lord gave wisdom to select men to put over these affairs, and verse 5, Acts 6, 5, said the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. A man full of faith in the Holy Ghost. And Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas. And verse 8 says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. God's using this young man. First, he's on the food truck. He's not a preacher. He's meals on wheels. He was. Making sure the food got to everybody. Making sure the soup was still hot. How many know if you're faithful in a smaller thing, the Lord will add to you and increase you. But if you're not faithful in that, you don't qualify for more. Verse 9, there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, the Cyrenians and Alexandrians, of, of whom of them in Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Come on, did you see that part? They were not able to what? Resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. We're going to get into this later, I believe. But Jesus talks about when it comes time for you to testify. You don't have to rehearse what you're going to say. Don't even think about it. Because your father's going to speak through you. The Holy Spirit's going to help you. And people will not be able to refute 
the spirit by which you speak. Does that sound like Acts 1.8? You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come on you and you'll testify. But it'll be inspired. This is not you writing down something and then going and reading it to somebody. If you were there, if it happened to you, you don't really need notes. Is that right? You don't really have to have notes. When it comes up, it's so, it's real to you. It's a part of your life. It's in you. You can share it. And what's supposed to happen when it's a God ordained situation like that, that you share and testify, you are inspired. Somebody say inspired. You, you're inspired. What, what inspired means, it's not coming out of your head. You, it's not something planned, pre-planned, formulated, structured. It's coming right out of your spirit to your mind. Hallelujah. And it'll just pour out of you as you tell what God did for you. It just flows. Hallelujah. Almost effortlessly. And there's somebody else involved in this besides you and them. And this spirit cannot be refuted, cannot be resisted. Now, that doesn't mean people have to receive it, but they can't overtalk it, and they can't prove it wrong, and they can't shut it down, because it's not just you, it's him. Whoever out-talked God, whoever talked him down, made him look bad, showed him up, never, never nobody, and, and never will. And so, as Stephen's testifying like this, they couldn't resist the wisdom. I mean, they'd say things, and they're all trying to come down on him and pressure him and shut him up, and the Lord would give him things. He'd say things, and they'd just stand there with their mouth open. They didn't know what to say about it. Because it was obvious to everybody that it was true, and it was right. Now, the Bible said that Stephen, in chapter 7, he just related by the Spirit of God. Now, you know it was inspiration. He related basically from Genesis to Malachi of what God had done and how things had worked. And if you read the whole thing, it's powerful. But uh, in verse 51, skip down for time's sake. Verse 51, he's just relaying what God has done what God and what, what he kept coming back to is that people had historically rejected God's choice. They rejected Moses. They rejected person after person after person. What's he getting to? And you've rejected Jesus. God's choice. And you rejected him. And the Spirit of God through him says this in verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Just like they, they said, we're not going to have this man to rule over us. That's what you did with Jesus. That's what you're doing right now with his leaders. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. These people are going crazy. They gnashed on him with their teeth. Keep going. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw. What can you testify about? I said, what can you testify about? What you see, what you hear, and what you know, what's about to happen. 
Stephen's about to testify. Do they want to hear what he said? No, they don't. But is he going to tell them anyway? (laughs) And is it going to cost him? Yes, but not really. Yeah, they're going to stone him. But did it cost him? I don't know that he even felt some of those rocks. He's out of there. He went to the one he saw. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, the Bible said that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So why is he standing up? Why is he standing up? I think part of it, same reason you stand up when the preaching gets real good and strong. Come on, are you listening? Why? Why? Stephen, this boy is preaching. This boy is taking it to the max. This boy is not blinking an eye. He's not backing down. Is that right? He's in front of the whole hateful bunch. He is smiling and telling them the truth. And then he's going to haul off and tell them he's just seen Jesus. He said, in fact, he said, you, you, just like they didn't receive Moses, you didn't receive Jesus. And they all knew he believes he's the Messiah. They don't believe it. They're scoffing and mocking. He said, in fact, I see him right now. I see him. There he is. There he is. I see him. Is this real? Is this true testimony? This ain't hearsay. This ain't theory. Stephen is seeing the master. And he's just testifying about what he just saw. What he's actually seeing right now. And I want you to notice the kind of effect it had on these people. They went nuts. They lost it. Didn't they? Read 56. He said, behold, I see the heavens open. And the son of man standing on the right hand of God. I think I'd have to say that too. I don't care how many guns is pointed at. Is this right? If if you're seeing the master, I think I'd just have to say it. How about you? Why not? And verse 58, they cast him out of the city. They grabbed him. We, We notice already they are gnashing on him with their teeth. This is crazy. They're just going nuts. Why are they going nuts? Because of the spirit that they're yielding to and the spirit that's stirring them up, which is the God of this world. And what you see, you get a glimpse of how he feels about powerful testimony. It drives him crazy. He's like, we got to shut him up. I mean... You would think, well, let's see about doing some political things against him or or trying to dig up some dirt. No, no. We got to kill him right now for another word comes out of his mouth. Why would that be true spiritually? Because what he's saying is so powerful. The anointed 
true testimony of the believer is so powerful it is actually the light of heaven breaking forth onto the earth. It is the light shining in the darkness. Come on, do you believe it? It's the light shining into the darkness. Didn't the Bible say we are the light of the world? Didn't he say it? We are the light. Somebody said, I thought he was the light. He is. That's why we are. Because he's in us. How does he manifest himself as light in this dark, dark world? Through us. What if we won't speak up? What if we're too ashamed, too intimidated? We won't speak up. Then the enemy has effectively quenched the light. Kept it from coming out. Can you see these people are just, they're just out of their mind with rage, murderous rage. And you think about it, this is not somebody who's harmed children, who's stolen and destroyed lives. What's so terrible about what he said? He accurately quoted the word and law and the prophets that they claim to believe. And he's telling the truth about what he's saying. It's not a lie. It's no deception. There's not a false thing happening here. And yet they can't stand it. They can't stand it. Are you getting a glimpse of why your testimony is so important? It is so important. And why so many have been martyred over it. Because the devil's a killer. You know what his solution to your testimony is? Kill you, right? Get you. I mean, his perfect will for your life, you have already missed. The devil's perfect will for your life was to never find out about God, never get saved, and him use you as a pawn to hurt other people and hurt yourself and work havoc and misery, and then you die and go to hell with him, spend eternity. That's his perfect will for your life. And you have totally missed it. You have just totally missed the will of the devil. Are you happy about missing the will and the plan of the devil? Oh yeah, you should be. You should be. But if he can't get you to be in his perfect will, he has a backup and acceptable will. And that's for you to go to heaven. Now. Now, get you out of here before you can influence anybody else with what happened to you. How many know my life, your life should be a testimony, right? Our very life, our day-to-day, and when we open our mouth, when people see us, they ought to see the goodness of God, what God has done for him or her. Good thing after good thing happening. And then when people say, wow, how did that happen? They walked right into it. (laughs) That's one of the reasons God did it for you. It's a setup. And you say, well, let me tell you. I'm a believer. And the Lord showed me this. And the Lord did this. And the Lord did that for me. And then he just brought it to pass. He did. And a lot of times they're thinking, okay, one of them, one of them. (laughs) But if you won't just get preachy and get phony. 
if you stay real with what he really did for you, even though they might cuss and walk off, they won't be able to get away from it. The Lord will bring it back to them in the middle of the night next week. Right? And they'll there they're thinking, you know, they really act like they believe that. You reckon that really happened? And the Holy Spirit go, it did. He'll come and, I don't mean he'll hear a voice, but he'll quicken them. It did. It did. Oh, hallelujah. They dragged him out of the city. They're screaming. They're tearing their clothes. They're throwing dirt in the air. They're cussing, gnashing with their teeth. Where is all this hate coming from? You're getting a glimpse of the devil. This is him. And this is what anointed testimony does to him. (laughs) Which makes me want to run out and tell somebody. How about you? Right? (laughs) And say, what you going to do about it? She said, oh, I wouldn't say that. You don't want to taunt the devil. Listen, you don't have to taunt him. He's been trying to kill you since you've been born. You don't want to try to make some kind of deal with him. Listen, listen. I'll be quiet. I'll stay on my side. You leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. He'll go, sure, sure. You want to shake on it? And when you turn your back, he's going to nail you. He's He's trying to kill you every day anyway. You might as well just get bold about this thing and step right on out and realize he can't do everything he wants to do to you. He can't. His biggest trick is if he can get you to yield to him and believe his lies and back off. And shut up. And shut down. But God didn't give us a spirit of fear. No he didn't. So they dragged him out. They stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes. At a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Saul was actually a witness against Stephen. And you know I think that's one thing he couldn't get away from. I think as he left there and later on he's on the road to Damascus, I think that was so. Well, you know it was. He just witnessed a man get killed and he's part of it, right? You know that's working on him, no matter how justified he thinks he is. And then, you know, and I'm I'm sure he's thinking, he's a Pharisee. And I'm sure he's thinking, saw Jesus. How ridiculous and preposterous can you be? Saw, yeah, sure, he saw Jesus. And then a bright light shined round about. And then he saw Jesus. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul. How many know when the Lord calls your name twice like that? You, you better hit, hit your knees. Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And I'm sure he, and he said, who are you, Lord? He didn't know who he was, but he knew whoever he was, he was Lord. And next thing you know, He's born again. Oh, glory to God. And became one of the greatest witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ that has ever lived. And you know what? Just a few days after him getting saved, you know what happened? They start trying to kill him. And he was their golden boy. Is that right? And now why? Why do you want to kill him? Because the devil wants to kill him. Why? To shut his mouth. Shut him up. Why? Because anointed testimony, when the light comes and faith comes, all of hell can't keep a man or woman in darkness. Glory to God. 
Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. But you know, there is no weapon effective against love and faith. Love never fails. And even though they look like they're getting the better of Stephen, they look like they're getting him, they're killing him. They're sending him out of this world. He got the last word. (laughs) Didn't he? He got the last word. They didn't get him. And they stoned Stephen. And he and, and what's he doing? He didn't shut up. Come on, can you see this? He's not he's not going, oh please, please, quit, quit, stop. Oh, ow, 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 stop. Oh, that hurts. Stop. Please stop. I'll shut up. Stop. I was wrong. I apologize. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. What's he doing? Calling on God. He's still talking to Jesus. He sees him. He said, Lord Jesus. Can you imagine if, if he said he saw him, he's still talking to him. They can hear him. That just makes them all the matter. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60. And he kneeled down. Huge rocks are hitting him. Kawap, kawap. Blood running. Fracturing his skull. Breaking his ribs. He kneeled down. Don't you see the power of this? He said, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. And then he checked out. He left. And they can beat that old body all they want to. He don't feel it no more. He's out of here. Hallelujah. And generations have come and gone and he would have died in a few days anyway. How many think Stephen's real happy about how this played out and how it went out? And you and I, centuries later, are showing respect and honor to the way he conducted himself and held on to his testimony and overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Stand on your feet. Oh, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph, always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just close your eyes if you would. Lift up your heart towards Him. Say it out loud if you really mean it. Father God, I believe in You. I believe in Your Son, Jesus. He is the only way the truth the life the light and I confess Jesus publicly audibly unafraid unashamed I confess Jesus is Lord and Lord of me hallelujah oh thank you Lord This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.